the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants, Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. It was chilly and damp outside this morning and dark, and the weather was telling us that winter is coming. Okay, the coming week, we're going to have to uh, take some ice off the windshield. If the ice is here, the winter will be far behind. So, even if it's cold in the morning, we can still look forward to it warming up during the day. And after our latest rainy week, most of the fall days will be dry and brisk. That gives us the opportunity to basically get outside, enjoy walking and hiking and biking and whatever, and just to get outside and enjoy uh, the scenery and do things and see new things, or just doing the tour. The trees are changing from their usual green to those brilliant shades of yellow and orange. We seem to be a little late this season, but they're starting to change. It really catches your eye as you drive down the road. And Halloween decorations are up. I hope everything is ready at your house. Uh, there'll be all sorts of Halloween activities this weekend. A lot of these communities, including Wellington, 
uh, they're going to have their trick and treat uh, uh, today. You know, around uh, noontime, the ten to around ten to uh, twelve. You know, where kids can go around to the around town and uh, certainly to the stores or to the houses and and uh, get their fill of uh, trick or treating. I just saw a list of twenty businesses in Wellington that are going to be uh, treating the, uh, the little little people and. Uh, and now it's basically the time for us to get serious about safety, you know, about reminding the kids uh, to look right and left and right again before crossing the street. And basically no running out, no running across the street between parked cars. You know, anybody who's gone out with the kids on Halloween knows that it's a wild thing out there. And... Uh, uh, you tell them to stay on one side of the street. They've been watching orders. We're going to stay on one side of the street. Then we're going to go down this street. Then we're going to walk over and then down the other side. Well, that plan always works until until somebody shouts out that there are big treats on the other side of the street. And then the other kids dash across the street. And your kids, they want to go too. And basically, that's where you have to get a little tough. Otherwise, the kids will be dashing from one side of the street to the other side of the street, the whole, up the whole street. And also, you have to be careful about, you know, the costumes for the kids. You know, we, we can, you know, the costumes may look pretty for the pictures, but, uh, you know, if they're out there running around uh, trying to get uh, uh, their goodies, uh, they might be dashing across lawns and things of this nature, so. Um, they take that in mind. Also, with regards to masks, you know, if they got masks that obstruct their uh, vision, then you got to do something with it to, to uh, make sure they don't endanger themselves. And if your duty is to stay home, uh, you have to be ready, you know, for this onslaught of ghosts and goblins and monsters and fairy princesses. And they're all going to be looking for their goodies, you know, but. Uh, it's comforting to know that uh, these little devilish fiends can be bought off with so little. You know, a chocolate bar or a bag of M&Ms, whatever it takes. In any case, we're smart enough to buy candies that we like, just in case there's some left over. And uh, in, if you've got too many, too much candy when the kids come back, you can always tell them about the, the uh, switch witch. Now, here's a little story. Have you heard about the switch witch? She wears a crooked hat and she's on a hunt for candy to feed her naughty cat. She likes the brightest lollipops, the green chews and the blues. And if you have some bubble gum, he's really ready for that too. After trick-or-treating, what you do is pick some things to keep and then put in the bucket things to swap while you're asleep. Only when you're snoozing, the switch witch will drop in. She'll take all the candy in the in the, in the uh, bucket, and who knows what she'll put in. You might wake up and find a toy or maybe a book or a bear, uh, something maybe for your piggy bank or a fun game to share. So give the switch witch your brightest treats for her cat, and in the morning you'll find a switch upon your bed. So what you do, <laughs> parents, is is uh, uh, get all those candies that the children will eat all week long 
and, and park all over the house and uh, uh, talk them into a switch. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, we have to also pay attention to are the uh, pets. And now when we answer the door uh, and these uh, kids show up in their wild costume, sometimes uh, the pets get upset. Sometimes they uh, uh, dash out the door and then you're out there. They're out there somewhere on the streets. And uh, so put them in another room and uh, uh, make sure that they don't get too involved in all this Halloween. And, and so relax, enjoy it. Have a hot, happy Halloween, and then basically don't worry about the stock market. So this week, global equities were mixed in the U.S. The three major equities indices ended up for the week in the U.K. and the European Union. Uh, the FTSE 100, the DAX, and the, the stock Europe 600 were all up for the week. And it, but in Asia, uh, China was down. Uh, but Japan was up for the week. Now, on Friday, the major U.S. stock indices closed at, the Dow Jones closed at 35,819.56, and that was up four-tenths of a percent for the week. And the Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,605.38, and that was up 1.3% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 15,498.39, and that was up 2.7% for the week. So on Friday, all three of the stock indices closed at record highs. This week, the third quarter earnings season continued as Wall Street looked past uh, some disappointing results from uh, some major uh, companies to wrap up the best month of the year. And the Standard & Poor 500 and then NASDAQ, uh, they cinched their best months since November of 2020. The Dow for October, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 5.8%. The Standard & Poor 500 was up 6.9%. And the NASDAQ was up uh, 7.2% for October. So. Uh, this positive performance came despite weak third quarter uh, earnings reports from two of the market's biggest companies, Amazon. Their shares dropped 2.1% after the e-commerce uh, giant badly missed earnings and uh, revenue expectations for the third quarter. And uh, that was basically because of uh, uh, labor costs and things of this nature. Apple stock fell 1.8% after the uh, tech giant uh, quarterly revenues fell short of expectations uh, amid larger than uh, expected supply constraints on their iPhones, their iPads, and their Macs. It was the first time Apple's revenues had missed Wall Street expectations since, uh, I think it was May of 2017. So despite some disappointing results from big tech, the stock market has been raking in solid earnings, even with global supply chain concerns. About half of the standard and four or 500 companies have reported quarterly earnings so far, and 
more than 80% of them that beat uh, estimates, earnings estimates, you know, for the Wall Street Journal estimate, the standard of four or 500 companies are expected to grow profits by about 39% from the same quarter of uh, uh, 2020. That's a bit higher the Morgan estimate, but that estimate was made about a month ago. Uh, financial results uh, from the uh, uh, major companies show that uh, strong demand and their pricing power has enabled them to basically insulate themselves from, from the big problems that are out there. And the big problems are basically uh, this global supply chain disruption. You know, and part of that global supply chain disruption is is uh, generated from the COVID situation, where you've got uh, factories shut down here, there, and everywhere. You've got uh, problems with uh, with uh, transportation, uh, and uh, also you have the, the uh, steepening inflation results, and that's that's tied in very very uh, tight. To the uh, supply chain disruptions, so uh, that's where the suppliers uh, there's much more demand than there is supply. So the suppliers have got the leverage, and and uh, you might not get your uh, whole order when you put it in, but you certainly get a price increase. You know, the consumer price index and the producer price index, and and the import prices are all up. So there's no no place to hide there. Uh, also, you got the tight labor market, which is all wrapped up in this thing too. So, and uh, basically, part of the secret of uh, good results right now is being able to pass on the higher prices uh, to the customers. That's so all the way up and down the supply chain. Uh, the recent earnings results <clears throat> show that some companies are really struggling with these part shortages. You know, particularly these computer chips, but it's everywhere. It's not just the high-tech computer chips. It's parts for everything. Uh, that's causing major problems in the uh, transportation industry, such as uh, the automotive and heavy equipment manufacturing area. And uh, inflation is still a major problem. Uh, you know, it's primarily generated in the supply chain crisis when, hey, you remember that old cartoon, you wanted when? Ah, that's a major joke uh, when the suppliers now have the leverage in increasing uh, prices. Inflation is also coming from uh, the tight labor market, particularly in the lower wage earners. So inflation may be temporary, but it's hard to get around things like uh uh, I think last month the consumer price index was up 5.4 percent for, for the last 12 months, and then in September the producer price index, which is what your companies are dealing with internally, uh, that was up 8.6 percent over the last 12 months. And then if you take a look at, uh, used to be able to take a look at the imports and say, well, there's where we're going to have uh, deflationary. Uh, pressures, well, they're up uh, 9.2% over the last 12 months. So, to me, there's no place to hide. Uh, Rising wages have accompanied uh, rising consumer prices. Uh, Worker compensation surged 1.3% 
in the third quarter from the second quarter. You multiply that by four, and that's a pretty big number for the year. Uh, the fastest pace since records began in 2001, according to that Department of Labor. And wages and salaries were up uh, 1.5% for the quarter, and benefits were up 9 cents of 1% for the quarter. So, you know, the, the workers in the leisure and hospitality and retail sectors where they actually have to <clears throat> have face-to-face uh, interaction with uh, people, that's particularly, they saw particularly high compensation boost percentage-wise anyhow. As employees, uh, employers struggled to fill open positions. The, the personal consumption expenditure, we mentioned the consumer price index, a, a parallel to that is the personal consumption expenditure price index. And uh, that's an inflation measure most closely watched by the Federal Reserve, and that rose uh, uh, three tenths of a percent in September from the previous month. And uh, it was up 4.4% from a year ago, which was the fastest fastest pace in 30 years. So if you exclude food and energy, I wish I could do that, but we can't, And uh, which uh, tends to be more volatile, then the uh, personal consumption expenditure index rose two-tenths of a percent over the month. And... 3.6% over the year. And basically, we'll be uh, talking about these things uh, uh, later in the show. But uh, uh, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, the stock market is doing well, and uh, uh, companies uh, are able to weather the, uh, mostly able to weather the uh, storm in terms of uh, uh, messes in the uh, supply chain and and not getting the products and getting the, the products here, there, and everywhere, and also the inflation, and also the labor shortage. You know, people don't have the... Uh, 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 a couple of weeks ago, we reported that uh, the JOLTS report, the Job Opening and Labor Turnover report, had something like uh, 10 million jobs openings, and uh, <clears throat> that's even more than the wildest estimate of the number of unemployed. So uh, to me, there, there basically is a labor shortage because, well, you know, some people uh, can't get to uh, work because of a child care uh, issues. Some people uh, have jobs where they uh, have too much interaction with the public, so they don't want to uh, they don't want those jobs, so there's a lot of there's a lot of difficulties. But the uh, stock market uh, seems to be able to wade its way through in terms of uh, making business decisions that uh, protect the earnings. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh You're listening to Get Rich Flow. You can give us a call. Uh, we have that toll free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one 11 cents. That's 1 888 281 You can give us a call, and uh, uh, if you've got any problems in uh, your uh, own financial plan or things that you're seeing out there, give us a call and we'll have a talk. Okay? This is Jim McAleese. 
Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host again, this Jim Backley. You know, we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, the uh, inflation and the wage increases, and that's going to be a major topic at the Federal Reserve's uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. So, basically, the expectations are that... Uh, this November FOMC meeting will initiate the plan outlined in the September meeting. And that uh, plan that was outlined in September was basically a, uh, we're going to start tapering, right, well, move back up a minute. When this whole crisis started in February of 2020, the Federal Reserve from a monetary viewpoint, took extreme action, and that consisted basically of of, uh, two or three things. The major two things were it lowered the uh, federal funds rate, which is the rate for overnight borrowing, and it lowered that down to zero. And uh, it's actually technically at zero to one quarter of one percent. So if you want to take a look and say, oh, it's one-tenth of a percent or something like that. That's one thing. But it's kept it down there. So that's anchored. <clears throat> the anchored the, uh, the low, um, the short maturity uh, uh, bond yields. The other thing they've done is buy $120 billion of uh, bonds each month. And $80 billion in treasuries and $40 billion in uh, mortgage-backed securities from Fannie and Freddie. So they've been buying this $120 billion. And uh, now the Federal Reserve is looking at the inflation and it's looking, also looking at the economy and saying, hey, the economy uh, it really doesn't need all this support anymore. Uh, in fact, uh, <clears throat> between the $6 trillion of uh, uh, fiscal stimulus from the U.S. government and the, uh, uh, the monetary stimulus from the the uh, Federal Reserve, uh, uh, this crisis is basically over. Uh, we still have a lot of problems to get through, but the, the major crisis is over, and, and basically they're saying, okay, uh, let's start increasing the rates. Well, in order to start increasing the rates, but what they're going to first thing they're going to do is start tapering that 120 billion dollars a month buying, it. and they're going to start probably start in November. And uh, what they're going to do is reduce this buying, uh, bond buying, by approximately 15 billion a month. Uh, Ten of that will be Treasuries, five of that will be mortgage-backed securities, until the, that. Uh, Buying reaches zero sometime in mid uh, 2020, mid next year, and then at that time, I think they'll begin to increase the federal funds uh, overnight rate from zero, which it is now, 
to probably about uh, 1.3% starting, uh, you know, to, in late 2022 to the end of 2023. So uh, over that, uh, let's say, year and a quarter, uh, they'll raise that uh, overnight rate from zero to 1.3%. And then they'll continue increasing the federal funds rate up to 2% by the end of 2024. And then they'll aim to raise it up to 2.5% from the federal funds rate in in the longer term. So basically all of this guesswork is based upon, uh, you know, the shop pattern from their September Federal Open Market Committee meeting. You know, at that meeting, uh, the participants give their individual assessments of the uh, federal, where the federal funds rate will be in the future years. And it, it basically looks like each year has a shotgun pattern uh, to give you each individual's idea of where it is. And all I did was uh, take the middle of the, the, the shotgun pattern and make an assumption of how they're going to get there. So uh, it's all based upon the, uh, the patterns that we saw in the September Federalism Market Committee. And uh, uh, the meeting, this this November meeting, uh, is that is going to happen Tuesday and Wednesday. So Wednesday afternoon, you know, the Federal uh, Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell, you know, he'll present their, their real plan. You know, what I presented so far has been just a, uh, not a guess, but an educated guess as to what it's going to be. But we'll know the final, we'll know the details uh, Wednesday afternoon. Now, let's talk about, uh, you know, what got us into all this mess, and that was the COVID. And in the big picture, the problems we're facing today were all the result of this uh, COVID pandemic, you know. We shut down the whole economy in February, March, and April of last year. We've been digging out ever since. And uh, thank God we had the uh, vaccines to help us, you know, the, uh, the Pfizer and the Moderna and the J&J. And uh, we did enjoy a few months of freedom in the spring until the, uh, the Delta appeared in June. And now we're getting through the the Delta with booster shots, uh, uh, you know, because of the, the very fact that the original vaccinations, <clears throat> they lose their effectivity over, uh, let's say, a six-month period. So now uh, the recommendation is that you get a booster shot, particularly for people over 65 or people who are uh, have other uh, issues, medical issues and problems. And particularly for people who are face to face with the public. So <clears throat> what we're seeing in Ohio, uh, things uh, peaked up in September, but now we're seeing that we're seeing approximately 3,500 new cases of each day, and that's down 27% over the last 14 days. And we've got about 3,000 people hospitalized you know, and that's gone down approximately 22% in the last uh, 14 days. And 
the deaths in Ohio have averaged about uh, 78 uh, daily, uh, and that's down 9.7%. <clears throat> so what we're seeing is, excuse me just a second, let me get a drink here. So what we're, <clears throat> so what we're seeing is that the vaccinations, uh, people are still getting vaccinated. People, basically what you're seeing is that 85% of the people 65 and older uh, have been vaccinated, the double double shots, and uh, it's probably the, the percentage is probably even higher because uh, some people catch the um, COVID and then they recover, so uh, they should have immunity. And uh, then you got the, 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 the population 12 and, and up, uh, 68% of the population has been immunized with the double shot. So everybody's hopeful that this COVID can be controlled and we can get back to normal. If you take a look at the, some of the information, the national outlook, quote, has improved considerably since early September. Fewer than half as many cases are being identified each day and tens of thousands of fewer uh, coronavirus uh, patients are hospitalized. Uh, case levels are flat or falling in more than 40 states. So although you see some trouble spots in the in the West, uh, Alaska leads the country in recent cases uh, per capita, uh, while uh, you know, Colorado is the fastest uh, rate of case growth. Uh, Florida, which experienced one of the worst summer surges, now has a lower recent case rate than every other state. So caseloads continue to fall rapidly across much of the South, and uh, reports of deaths have continued to decline to around 1,400 a day for more than 2,000 a day during parts of September. So uh, basically, uh, uh, it looks as if we're conquering, you know, knock on wood, you know, there could be another variant hiding in the woodpile somewhere, but uh, it looks as if we've uh, got this thing. Oh, well, <laughs> how about those for for KG uh, estimates? Hopefully, we've got this thing under control and we can get back to normal. And that's one of the big things. That one of the reasons we're in this mess that we're in right now. So, uh, if we get back to normal, then I think we clean up this uh, supply chain. And we can get the people uh, back to work who do have those face-to-face jobs, and and we can uh, even get the child care situation under control too. Now in Washington this week, <clears throat> you know I've been talking about Washington and how they and uh, the Congress and the president have have uh, um, uh, Funded the government for the next year, and also increased the uh, the national debt. Uh, all of which will get them to the uh, December third. What they have to do is go through this again. And uh, now they had a deadline of Halloween, and that came and went, and there was no final agreement on the. Uh, uh, I think it's $1.75 trillion Build Back Better plan. It used to be the $3.5 trillion Build Back Better plan. 
but now it's been reduced. And they also have the $1 trillion infrastructure bill, which has been already approved by the Senate. So the Build Back Better plan is in a state of flux, both with regard to the benefits as well as to the taxes that will be implemented to pay for it. Uh, One thing that apparently they originally started out in terms of the taxes is talking about a raise the tax, corporate taxes from 21% to to 26.5%. That apparently went away because of uh, uh, they needed, they didn't have the votes for that. And also they were going to increase the capital gains tax from 20% to 25% for individuals making over $400,000 a year or couples making over about 460000 And they also were going to increase the personal income tax from 37 to 39%. So, and they were also going to reduce the federal estate exclusion from $11.7 million to $6 million. So apparently uh, that has been shelved. And now we're talking about a 15% minimum tax on the uh, income of large corporations and a 1% uh, stock buyback uh, tax and a 5% uh, surtax on incomes greater than $10 million, personal incomes greater than $10 million, and 8% on, in, on income greater than $25 million. So uh, with all the changes, it's hard to keep track of, uh, of where the, the, the bills are. Uh, but we'll know sooner or later, you know, the, uh, 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 the whole thing has been in the air ever since the end of uh, September or even before the end of September. So it's one of those things. Stay tuned. We'll, uh, they'll figure it out sooner or later. So this is Jim McElhase. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you give us a call over our toll-free number. is 1-888-281-1110. It's 1-888-281-1110. Uh, give us a call. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. And uh, uh, this is Jim McElhase. Stay tuned. We'll be right back as a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. I was working in the lab. 
my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match Welcome back to Get Rich Flow This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese How do you, we hear that song once a year That song has endured Did you have was there, a, was there a light there? Did I see something? Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, that, was, that wasn't a monster, I hope. <laughs> no, but you're right. That song has endured decades, but it's it's a tradition. We love it. Uh-huh. Um, Molly gave us a call, and like many people, she is wondering if she should be worried about inflation, um, particularly since Washington <laughs> seems to be wanting to spend so much money. So she wants to know if you have your what are your thoughts and or suggestions for her to protect herself. Oh, it's a good question. You know, we've been talking about inflation, and uh, um, one of the things, um, you know, from an investment viewpoint, from a personal investment viewpoint, what you have to do is really stay invested. You know, don't become. Uh, uh, Frightened about what's going on in the uh, investment world and in the stock and world and in the bonds world. Uh, probably your longest um, and strongest uh, defense against long-term inflation is basically uh, maintaining a diversified portfolio. You know, over long periods of time, uh, uh, stocks have historically outperformed inflation. And, uh, of course, fixed income funds are taking a beating now, you know, because the interest rates are so, so low. But uh, uh, as as the uh, interest rates go up, you know, the words, let's say we're looking at, uh, oh, let's say the 10-year Treasury. 10-year Treasury is right now is about uh, 1.6%. So basically, by the three or four years from now, uh, we'll have gone from one. We'll have, the federal funds rate is going to go up two and a half percent. So we're basically going to be about four point one percent for the ten-year treasuries. So to me, things happen gradually. Things aren't going to uh, uh, switch overnight in the uh, uh, in the inflation or how we combat inflation. Uh, you know, uh, one thing you don't do is uh, you don't jump in and out and, and attempt to try time the market. Uh, don't be don't be just as I said before. Don't be worried about it. Uh, stocks have seen this uh, inflation before. Uh, the, what we're what we're thinking about is going to happen is, is that the inflation will be. Uh, temporary, and the best guess is that you're uh, for the last ten years, ever since the housing crisis, you've seen about one point seven percent inflation per year, and right now it's gone up to about five point four percent, and uh, and that's because of all this price gouging that's going on in the supply chains, and all the labor shortages and everything else. And basically, uh, as, the, as those things sort themselves out, as we got a handle on COVID and, and the rest, and 
what will happen is that multiple suppliers will appear. Companies will build up their inventories where they're uh, not uh, as intimidated by price increases as before. So what will happen is that the inflation will go down uh, probably by the middle of next year. Uh, where will it go down to? Uh, I suspect it'll go down to, uh, uh, it won't go down to 1.7. It'll probably go down to somewhere between 25 and 3%. But if you take a look over a 40-year period, uh, 3% is the average inflation we've been dealing with over a 40-year period. So it's not going to be any any catastrophic thing. And the stocks and the bonds will, primarily the stocks right now, they, they cannot function in, in an environment like that. From a personal viewpoint, what you want to do is take a look at your debts. Uh, what debts do you have that is in variable uh, uh, rates? You know, if you've got a, uh, uh, as inflation rises, uh, so will the variable interest rates. So if you're uh, carrying an expensive consumer debt, uh, which is often variable, and as interest rates rise, you'll pay even more. And uh, also, if you've got a uh, variable rate uh, mortgage, uh, which most people have converted to fixed rate. So whatever you do, whatever debts you have in a variable rate, uh, see if you can get those uh, switched to a fixed rate. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, you're, like right now, most of your mortgages are fixed rates. Uh, so lock in the rates that you've got right now. Uh, a lot of your uh, equity line of credits are variable rates. So you take a look at that and say, oh, uh, how can you get that fixed into a fixed rate? So you want to catch the, the rates now where they're at their lowest. And uh, uh, you basically are going to... Uh, uh, have a, t- a period of time now. Uh, you just have to be careful with what you're buying. Uh, figuring that uh, inflation, you're going to get through this period for the next nine months, and uh, uh, inflation will be approximately 3% uh, after that. So uh, I think the, the, uh, the idea here is don't panic about it. Uh, your investment portfolio, if it's diversified, if it's balanced, we'll get through it without any problems. So uh, thank you very much for the question, Molly. If you have any other questions, just give us a call. The toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back. Jim McAleese, you know, the, the, the things we talk about here are the big picture and a little picture, and the macro and the micro. And the micro is what we're doing in our financial plan, and, uh, uh, you know, we're the, ele- we're the mice running around in the bottom of the elephant's cage, and the thing we have to be careful of is that we have to pay attention to what our, our financial plan looks like. So. 
uh, what are your goals? Uh, you know, you, know, you can write your goals on the back of an envelope, and typically retirement is one of them. Uh, if you're young, it's not very important, but when you're, as you uh, uh, get up there in age, it becomes more and more important. And the next thing is, uh, if you're young, it's a matter of, uh, well, you're going to uh, uh, start a family, you're going to get married, start a family, you're going to need a new house, but it's going to be the they don't call the house for money, but for nothing. Uh, that's going to call, and that's going to take a lot of money. Uh, how about the uh, the children and uh, uh, the education of the children? Then just the the uh, the cost associated with uh, uh, raising the family. Uh, they're tremendous, and uh, so you've got to you got to realize that going into it and say, okay. I've got incomes, maybe you've got two incomes uh, for a, as a couple, and then uh, start uh, allocating uh, so much of each uh, money and paycheck uh, to uh, funds where you uh, put them in investments and uh, expect them to grow uh, to reach the, in the several years in the future uh, to a point where they meet your uh, goals. So. It's as simple as that, you know, but it's also, you know, there's other simple things in life, you know, like how do you, how do you, uh, uh, lose weight, you exercise and you eat less. <laughs> That's a simple thing. We all can we seem to have always reason that problem doing that, but it's simple. Uh, it's the same thing with the, with the financial plan. It's easy to put together. The, the perseverance is staying on top of it, making sure your investments are working the way you want them to, or switching investments if they don't, or modifying the plan as circumstances happen, as life, you know, life goes on, and uh, uh, putting it together and spending some time with it, and, and realizing that hey, it's not a uh, all-consuming thing. It's basically a once a, once a month. Uh, activity uh, to how much have you spent this month? Uh, why is it? Uh, have we got many uh, 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 excess charges on our credit cards? Are we keeping our are we paying our credit cards down every every month? We get away from those horrendous uh, uh, interest rates on the credit cards. Um, are we paying attention to it? Uh, we look at our statements and our investments. What do they look like? Uh, taking care of the family, taking care of the house, the whole, the whole thing. We were all part of a financial plan. So you just stay on top of it and really realize that, uh, you know, uh, when you become 65 even, uh, you're still taking care of that uh, financial plan because, uh at age 65, the life expectancy is uh, 85, which means that if you have 10,000 people at 65, there's going to be 5,000 people at 85. And then if you get to be 85, <laughs> then your life expectancy is probably 90, 92. So it's going to be a long, uh, it's going to be a long road. Uh, your financial plan starts out simple. And it goes for years and years. It might stretch into 60 or 70 years by the time you finally uh, don't need it anymore. So uh, 
one of the things that when I talk about personal income and outlay, you know, according to the government, you know, September was a was a complicated month according to the U.S. Department of Commerce. <clears throat> what they saw in their they, they report their personal incomes the outlay report for September basically shows that uh, uh, a surge in the new uh, COVID cases that resulted from the Delta variant that peaked in the middle of September and is now going down. The continuing uh, backup in supply chains has caused all sorts of shortages and high prices. And that's uh, uh, crimps people's ability to get the products they want. You go ask, uh, you go buy a refrigerator or a uh, kitchen appliance. No, we don't have that. You'll have to wait for six to nine months to get it. All those types of problems. And then if you're looking at the consumer spending for September, consumers' uh, spending rose six tenths of a percent. Over in September, over August, uh, basically that's an increase of $93.4 billion. And uh, in August, uh, consumer spending uh, uh, increased the previous month. It increased uh, uh, 1% or $155.1 billion. And uh, in September, personal incomes fell. Okay, why did personal incomes fall? They fell over $200 billion, and that was driven by the uh, unemployment insurance benefits uh, declined. It declined dramatically after, uh, you know, after the uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, so you got income going down because of the unemployment uh, benefit uh, stopping. We've got uh, income uh, going not down as far as the, the losses are concerned, but uh, the uh, wages have increased, and that's been good. And uh, basically, we're showing is that the, the, the Commerce Department uh, report showed that consumers have been slowly shifting their spending to services. Uh, such as restaurants, meals, and and they're shifting it from goods, and spending for services was six tenths of a percent, and uh, that was driven by higher spending for healthcare, restaurants, hotels, and and spending for the long-lasting, durable uh, goods that fell two tenths of a percent due to decline in uh, automobile sales. And that was driven by the uh, shortage of computer chips that held back auto production. And uh, spending for non-durable goods rose percent because basically we're shelling out more money for food and gas. And those are the items that have been hit for steep price increases. So economists, you know, according to the survey of the Wall Street Journal economists, Say that the spending slowdown will be short lived. Uh, the decline in the new COVID uh, uh, 19 cases, as well as strong consumer demand heading into the holiday season, should basically uh, boost up uh, what we're seeing in outlays. And uh, uh, if the 
according to uh, Mark Dandy, who is the chief economist at Moody's Analytics, if the Delta was a, is a net negative for the third quarter and for September, then I think it should be a net positive for the fourth quarter. So, and the difference uh, between the increased spending and the decreased income is basically coming from our savings. Uh, consumer bank accounts that have been fattened by raising uh, rising wages in multiple ways of uh, federal stimulus spending, and that's propped up uh, consumer spending. And uh, while the household uh, savings remained above uh, pre-pandemic levels, and uh, Basically, the savings were increased by the uh, increases in the stock market, the increases in you know, the federal checks that came in. People are feeling more prosperous in terms of their housing prices going up. Uh, and what, you, what you're seeing now is that uh, uh, people are looking to that savings, looking for their <coughs> savings to be able to... Uh, uh, support their suspended uh, support their spending. So we talk about the inflation. Basically, we talked about that earlier in the show. But you're looking at the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve is looking at the Consumer Price Index uh, for September was uh, 5.4 percent, and for a lot for the preceding 12 months. And if you take away food and fuel, it comes down to 4%. And if you take a look at the, the personal consumption expenditure, which is the one that Federal Reserve looks at, uh, uh, it was, for September, it was 4.4% uh, over the last 12 months. And if you take away food and fuel, it, it came down to 3.6%. Uh, so those are the numbers you will key in on. Hey, the, uh, the core personal consumption expenditure for the last 12 months has been 3.6%, uh, and the CPI for the last 12 months has been 4%. And uh, I think that'll give the, uh, the Federal Reserve the confidence to basically move forward. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Deborah Slow. When we make our schedule for the day, basically we try to cram everything into the day. We have things to do, deadlines to meet, projects to finish. But remember to find the time to be alive and to really live. And it doesn't take a lot of time, and it is important. So here's some things I've learned, mostly the hard ones. <laughs> I've learned that you cannot make someone love you. All you could do is be someone who could be loved. I've, I've learned that no matter how much I care, some people, they just don't care back. I've learned that it takes years to build up trust and only seconds to destroy it. I've learned that it's not what you have in your life, but who you have in your life 
that count. I've learned that you can get by on charm for well, about 15 minutes. After that, you better know something or be able to do something. I've learned that it's taking me a long time to become the person that I want to be. I've learned that we are responsible for what we do, no matter how we feel. I've learned that either you control your attitude or it controls you. I've learned that heroes are the people who do what has to be done when it needs to be done, regardless of the consequences. I've learned that money is a lousy way to keep score. I've learned that sometimes the people you expect to kick you when you're down will be the ones to help you get back up. I've learned that sometimes when I'm angry, I have the right to be angry, but that doesn't give me the right to be cruel. I've learned that just because someone doesn't love you the way you want them to love you doesn't mean that they don't love you with all they can. I've learned that maturity has more to do with the type of experience you've had and what you've learned from them and less to do with the number of birthdays you've celebrated. I've learned that no matter how your friend is, they're going to hurt you every once in a while, and you have to forgive them for that. I've learned that it isn't always it isn't enough to be forgiven by others. Sometimes you have to learn to forgive yourself. I've learned that no matter how bad your heart is broken, the world can't stop for your grief. So think about these little tiny messages and lessons for the week. Until we meet again next week, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.